I want to talk to you more today about how that there is freedom from sickness and disease and pain. This is week three in this series, and we are going to talk more about how that there is physical healing in the atonement. And again, what we mean by that is when Jesus died and shed blood, the Bible says on that cross, he was made a curse. He was made a curse for you. So all spiritual death, all sin was condemned in his body. In the same way he died for your sin, the same way he died for you to be born again and to be free from spiritual death, there was also physical healing. Just as much as he died for your sin, just as much he bore your sickness and disease and carried your pain so that you don't have to. So healing has been forever legally provided for you. It's no longer a matter of God healing your body. It's a matter of you simply receiving through faith what God has already given you by his grace. This is not my opinion. This is backed up by hundreds of scriptures, and we're going to go into all of them probably, knowing me. Well, knowing the way the Holy Spirit moves through me. So we've been talking about a lot of things. If you haven't been here, go back and listen to those messages, right? Get our app. It's all there. You need to learn these things. If you don't have a, a smartphone, it's okay. Go get the CD. They're a dollar. Unless you don't have a dollar, then we'll give them to you, right? So it's no big deal. So if it's free, then that means there's no excuse. But you want to go back and lay this foundation in your life. The enemy is, is literally on the attack to steal the health of people. I mean, it's amazing, you know, uh, cancers, viruses, illness, weakness, all this stuff is on, it's just exploding. But this world is ripe for a healing revival. Guys, you know we're living in a country and do you know there's a playbook being played right now? Do you know to change, I remember when Terry Mize was here, he has dealt over probably 50 years of ministry all over the world. He's dealt with heads of governments. And in order to change a nation from being a democracy into being complete communistic and everything, it has to, it has to silence the church it has to erase the middle class. There's certain things that have to happen. The number one thing that we do to erase the middle class is we have to open the borders of a nation so that people can just pour in and bankrupt every system. Well, we started to see that happen, but now it's happening at a rate that's beyond. Talk to a military person because the tens and hundreds of thousands of, of, I mean, if you saw a picture of our borders right now, it's just a sea of people coming across. And all those people were giving free health care too. They're putting them on, they register them and they put them on a bus and they send them all over the country. And, and within that, talk to a military person because it's not just refugees, right? Could be terrorists, could be, right, a lot of stuff. And here's what I got to tell you about all of that. 
but God. In the natural, in the natural, it seems like that America has turned its back on God and now we are facing stuff we've never even seen before. But I'm telling you, God has raised us up and he will raise a standard. And I believe our nation, while we are here, will not be destroyed. I don't think we should let it. You know, we're the only ones on the planet with authority, right? So use your authority and pray for your government leaders. Pray for revival in our government. Not just the national government, but our local governments, our school boards. Pray that righteousness would reign. Learn how to believe God, and here's a big part. Learn how to believe God for your health and for your finances. Because God wants you healthy and strong to serve him. He wants you to have more than enough finances to do what he's called you to do in the earth. Amen? So I don't know why I got in all that, but anyway, let's go, let's go on. Let's turn to Isaiah 53. We're going to look... I've been building for two weeks to get here. I love Isaiah 53. Every theologian, we're going to start in verse 4, every theologian agrees that this chapter describes what is given to us through Jesus Christ's work on the cross. It is called the redemptive chapter. You know, when you, when, when you pull it up, pull up verse 1 really quick because this is really a foundation. It starts by saying this, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord in the Old Testament is a type of the manifest power and presence of Almighty God. Who is going to see God's presence and God's power manifest only those that believe the report. So we're going to look at the report today. Look at verse 4. It says, surely. Now in the Hebrew language, this word literally means without a doubt. There is no gray area here. Now remember, every theologian will tell you this is talking about what Jesus did on the cross. This is the redemptive chapter. It describes redemptive, redemption. Surely, or without a doubt, he, talking about Jesus Christ, hath borne our griefs. Hath, past tense, borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, the King James Version of the Bible is a transliteration, right? It, it goes beyond a translation, okay? If you look at translations, you have word-for-word -word translations or thought-for-thought -thought translations. Many times, the thought-for-thought -thought will be more in modern English. So like many times, the New King James will say, you know, a little more clearly in our language what the King James kind of fails at because it's that Elizabethan English thing. 
King Jimmy did not cause this Elizabeth in English to be put in the Bible because it's the way they spoke. They didn't speak like this when this was penned in the King James Version. He did this because these Hebrew and Greek verse, verb tenses are way beyond the, the closest thing he, he, that's why they did it in this Elizabeth in English because it, it kind of helped fit. But the King James Version is a transliteration. What that means, it's the closest verse-by-verse -verse translation of the original manuscripts, both in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And that's what I love about it. The, the reason why, I mean, and, and again, I'm old school. I grew up with the King James, so I just, it's just, right, the, it's just the way I like it. I don't know, you know. But anyway, if, you, if you'll notice when I teach, a lot of times I quote it as if it's like a new King James, you know. But this transliteration, why are you talking about this, Pastor? It's the closest verse by, or verse word for word translation from the original manuscripts. The reason why that's important is because you can see, see, every translation is based on two things the translator's knowledge of the language, but also, it's also based on their knowledge of God. So in the King James Version, you'll see where the translators in the Old Testament had a, had a big problem where, where they read, right, that God would make man a little lower. It's in, the, in the Hebrew language, it would say, God made man a little lower than Elohim. Elohim is the word for God. But that translator's going, are you kidding me? I can't, I can't say that God made man a little lower than God because in that time, they felt like they were just a lowly worm, right? But God's word says he made us a little lower than himself. In other words, God made man as close to him as he could. Now, we're not God, but we are his kids, and you gotta know that. So, but you could look at a King James Version and go, wait a minute, Elohim, every time it's translated, is always translated God, except right here. So you could see how, wait, wait a minute, I gotta go with what it, what it always is, right? So that's why we're talking about this. Sometimes this, the King James is a little blind. Why? Because Hebrew words many times take many English words to translate. The Hebrew language and the Greek language both do that. Sometimes the verb, like in, in, in the Old Testament, there's two major verb tenses. One's causative, like God is causing something. Another's permissive. Well, in every case in the Old Testament, all, it's always translated in the causative where it should have been translated in the permissive. In other words, in the Old Testament, God wasn't causing things, he was permitting things. He was allowing things. Why? Well, because God's sovereign. And God sovereignly set it up that in the earth, man's will trumps his will. He gave man a free will. Do you know God will protect man's will? Even though he loves someone, he will literally 
still give them the choice of whether or not they accept Christ or not, even though Jesus died for all their sins. It's all paid for. God has a plan for their life, and he loves them so much, and he, he literally, he, he just, he hates the fact that they'll be lost and separated from him forever. But he won't come in and force them. Forcing is the nature of Satan. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that's his very nature. That's where all this junk comes from. And, and that's always going to force. So the Lord will always lead you. Satan will always drive you. So let's look at this. Surely, or without a doubt, he, talking about Jesus, hath, past tense, borne our griefs. This word born is the Hebrew word nasah. It literally means to bear away as suffering punishment for something so that it is never found. Jesus bore on that cross our punishment and he bore it. He, he bore it away so that it could never come back to us. He bore our griefs. Now this one, it's interesting, the translator, was it accurately that he translated it griefs? Well, he had an out because the word koli, every other time, that's the Hebrew word here, koli, every other time in the Old Testament it was translated sickness and disease. But he, he used the grief thing because it also means the grief that is associated with sickness and disease, specifically. That's why he can do the grief, grief thing. But he couldn't translate it sickness and disease because if he did that, then what that would mean is that he would be saying what the word says, that Jesus on that cross carried away as punishment all of our sickness and all of our disease so that it could never be found, and that rocked him. Does that make sense? But we can see today, you can just look at every word this word is used and know that it's sickness and disease. He carried our grief, or bore our griefs, and then he carried our sorrows. The word carried is the Greek, or the Hebrew word sabal. It means to bear something as a penalty. So he carried away, he bore as punishment our sickness and disease so that it could never be found. And he also bore our sorrows. Right? He bore our sorrows as a penalty. He bore them, he took our penalty. So this word sorrows is the Greek or the Hebrew word macabre. It always in the Old Testament is translated physical pain. Always. But he could get away with sorrow because the Hebrew word also means the sorrow that is associated with somebody that has physical pain. Okay? But the, the word literally means physical pain. So think about what this is saying right here. 
he carried, or he carried away all of the punishment of sickness and disease so that it would never be found. And he bore as a penalty all of our pain so we don't have to. That's what this is saying. It says here, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Did God smite Jesus? Absolutely yes. The God, God the Father, literally it said it, brought him pleasure to bruise his son. So what he did is he picked up all of the sin, all of the, all of the sickness, all of the disease, all of the root cause of all of it. He picked up literally the root cause, all the pain. You could even add, you're going to see, poverty and lack was in this too. And he picked it up and he bruised Jesus with it. Why? So that we could walk free from it. See, there had to be a payment. Okay? It says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The chastisement. What does that mean? That word in the Hebrew language means the restraint of our peace was upon him. What's that word peace mean? The restraint of our shalom is the Hebrew word. It's an all-inclusive word. I mean, it, it, it literally means wholeness. It means prosperity, financial prosperity, freedom from poverty and lack, wholeness in every way. In other words, the restraint of our peace was upon him. Everything that was restraining shalom from coming to man was put on him so that now there's no restraint. It's ours. Was upon him, and with his stripes, we are healed. And that, that word stripes, it's plural here, but literally it could be translated, and with his bruise, we are healed. Interesting. So now let's back up. Let's look at verse 4 again. Surely he hath borne our griefs, our coli, our physical sicknesses and diseases. He bore them. He bore it away, right? He bore away the punishment so that it would never be found. Now let's look at a couple verses. There's so many of them. But literally, this word coli, in Deuteronomy, and I want you to turn there, Deuteronomy 7.15, let's just look at a couple, where this word coli is translated sickness. Deuteronomy 7, verse 15, says this, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness. That's the word coli. And will put, in the Hebrew language should be translated, and will allow none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you know upon you, but will lay or permit, 
them upon all them that hate thee. Sickness. If you go to Deuteronomy 28, remember we looked at that last week. That, that literally defines the curse of the law. In verse 61, in case we're missing anything, it literally is all-inclusive. This verse is all-inclusive of every sickness, every disease, every virus, anything that would attack man throughout all of human history is included here. Deuteronomy 28.61 says this, also every sickness, that's the Hebrew word koli again, okay, and every plague which is not written in the book of the law, them will the Lord bring upon you. It's in the permissive tense, so you should read it like this. Them will the Lord allow to be brought upon you until you be destroyed. In other words, in Isaiah 53, verse 4, the word griefs, which is translated sickness, everywhere else in the Old Testament. There's not one example where the word coli is used and it's ever griefs, only here. Interesting, huh? Look at Isaiah 53, 4 again. Let's go back there again. I just want to kind of do this precept upon precept because you have to see this is redemption. Right? Remember this, guys. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You have to know that if there's sickness and disease in your body, if there is weakness, if a joint's wearing out, if things are going bad, if you've been injured in a car accident and it messed some things up, you have to know that, listen, that has no legal right in your body as a Christian. We don't deny it's there. We deny it's right to remain there. And we're not, and this, this is all sickness, all disease, all pain. Okay, so verse four, surely or without a doubt, Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. This is the Hebrew word again, macabre. It always is translated everywhere in the Old Testament except here, it's always translated physical pain. Physical pain, have you ever had physical pain? Do you realize it has no legal right in your body? If you've ever dealt with pain, man, it's not fun, right? You gotta know what God's will is. So in Job 33, Job 33, verse 19, I'll just read, I'll, I'll use an example. It's all over the Old Testament. In Job 33, 19, it says, he is chastened also with pain. It's the Hebrew word macabre. Upon his bed and the multitude of his bones with strong pain. Macabre again. It's always translated pain. So now, let's look at this a little closer. Let's look at this word carried. Surely, surely, he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Carried. It means he bore, he bore our, as a penalty 
something for us, our pain. Jesus bore our pain. Was he in pain on the cross? Beyond anything you could probably ever imagine. But it was way beyond the physical. It was, it was literally, he was literally being bruised with the root cause, the satanic cause of all pain. Right? If you read, in the, if you read after whenever everything's done, the curse is completely removed. After the millennial reign of Christ, it says, and there will be no more curse. There will be no more pain ever. It was, pain was never God's plan. Sickness and disease was never God's plan for man. Never. It was a result of Adam and Eve's sin. They chose to violate God's word and it gave sin and death a legal right into this earth realm. That's how come Jesus called all sickness and disease satanic oppression. So don't put up with any of it. Don't, don't take a pill and let that manage it. Take the pill. That's great. Get that under control, but feed yourself on the word of God so that faith could be birthed into you, so that you could receive your healing and get it out of you forever, right? Look at uh, Isaiah 53, 11, real quick. It says here, he shall see the travail of his soul. In other words, God the Father is looking down at the travail that's going on in Jesus' soulish realm and shall be satisfied. In other words, God the Father, who is the righteous judge of all creation, the price was fully paid. It was satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Bear, that's the word sabal. I love that. In other words, what we're seeing in this redemptive chapter that is missed by so much of the body of Christ is the same words used to bear and carry away sin is used to bear and carry away physical sickness, disease, and pain. In the same way. You can't separate. I mean, I grew up thinking salvation was you go to heaven. I didn't realize that when I received Christ, I received salvation. That's everything. Freedom from sickness, disease, and pain. Freedom from poverty and lack. Right? I mean, we're talking emotional healing and peace and wholeness, wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. That's salvation. So let's look at it again. Literally, Isaiah 53, 4 would read this way. Surely he hath borne our physical sickness and disease and carried away our physical pains. Wow. So I love Andrew McLaurin, uh, foremost Old Testament commentator. He said that Matthew 8, 17 is the most literal translation of Isaiah 53, 4. 
So let's look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. Let's look at it real quick. We'll look at it maybe later too. Look at what it says. You can look up at the screens if you don't have your Bible. It says, that it might be fulfilled, by, which was spoken by, it says, Isaiah. Don't let that throw you. Isaiah is the Greek rendering of the name Isaiah. The prophet saying, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. I think it's awesome that the Holy Spirit's commentary on Isaiah 53, 4, mentions sicknesses, right? Forever shutting the mouth of every theologian, although many times you don't shut their mouth because they, they don't get it yet. We need to pray for them, right? So let's look at Isaiah 53, 5 now. I read it already once, but it says, but he, talking about Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the restraint of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, literally this word stripes is a Hebrew feminine noun. It literally denotes a bruise, a wound, or a blow. It says here, and with his stripes or with his bruise, with his wound, with his blow, we are healed. Now, this is real interesting. Let me read verse 4 to you again. Surely he hath, past tense, borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. Was wounded. When? On the cross. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. But look at this, it changes. And with his stripes, it doesn't say we were healed, it says we are healed. Young's, Young's literal translation of this verse says, and by his bruise there is healing for us. Why present tense to forever say that this means that this is an all-inclusive, continual blessing? A continual fulfillment of this prophecy for all men, for all time. It brings it right to today. That's why he did that. This is, this is not by chance. This was breathed by God. Look at, in John 14, 12, real interesting, it says this, Jesus talking. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because why? I go to my Father. Why could Jesus say that? Because it's a continual fulfillment of Scripture. With his bruise, healing is for you right now. It brings it right now. The work was not finished when Jesus went to heaven. It's still being worked by Jesus today 
through his church. We're going to see that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. I want you to turn there if you have your Bibles. 1 Peter 2, 24. Look at what it says. It says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. So we know where it happened. It happened when he was on the cross. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes. In the Greek language, the Greek word is by his bruise. You were healed. It says were because it's looking back to Isaiah. In other words, what, am, what are you talking about, Pastor? God has already done everything that he will ever do for your healing. Why? Is it because he's just done with you? No, no, there's nothing else to be done. He did it all. It's done. But the question is, will you believe it? That's the big question, right? Now all you have to do is receive your healing, right? Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells you how to receive everything. It's how you got saved. It says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus or confess him as Lord and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, Man believes. I bet, you, I bet most of you guys know what that word heart means, right? Cardia. If you, if you don't come on Wednesday night, this is a big joke. It's Strong's number G what? 2588, right? For with the, with the heart, really talking, you can't separate the spirit and soul. It's kind of together. But this is talking about the mind. Man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, Confession is made unto salvation. Do you know that you confess that Jesus was your Lord before he was? I mean, technically he's Lord of all. But before you got born again, you had to confess, Jesus, you're my Lord. And then you got born again. Kind of like when you confess, Father, I thank you that you sent your word and healed me. So I declare in the name of Jesus, I believe I receive my healing. I declare that I'm healed right now. Do you know you have to declare that before you ever see it in your body? It's the way all of it works. We call it faith. You speak things that aren't as though they were. That's the language of faith. That's the language of God. He, in Romans, it says that, right? He calls those things which be not as though they were. He doesn't, faith doesn't call things that be as though they're not. Right? If you have a knee that's not working right, you don't walk around saying, my knee is, not, my knee is fine. Right? No, my, I don't have any knee problem. That's, that's a lie. Okay, show me. Do a squat. Do a lunge. Oh, I can't. Can't. No. It's okay. The, the language of faith doesn't, right? I mean, when I was at Rama, Keith Moore talked, Christ the Healer class. I mean, you get attacked with sickness when you're in that class. 
So you see guys coming into class. Have you ever had a sinus infection? Right? I used to have them. And when I lived, when I was a young man in California, I would lay on my bed and put my head upside down because the sinuses drain out the top. And I felt like my head was going to explode. I was a trainer in a gym, and if it ever started hitting me, this is disgusting, but I would, we had a five-gallon bucket or bottles of eucalyptus oil, and I would take a towel or sometimes two towels, the spray gun, and after the gym closed, I would go in there. Man, I would put so much eucalyptus oil everywhere in that steam room, I could hardly even open my eyes, and I would sit there and just blow my nose to try to get all of it out. But, you know, have you ever had a sinus infection? You feel like my head's going to just explode. You, anybody could tell you have a sinus infection. And you'd see guys walking into class, you know, just, how are you? Oh, man, I'm healed. I'm, or not, not I'm healed. Uh, I, I, are, are you okay? Are, are you doing okay? Because it looks like you have a major headache. No, I don't have a headache. That's not faith. That's a lie. Right? I'm not going to call something that is as though it's not. That's not the language of faith. So I don't say I don't have a sinus infection. What I say is I'm healed. Why do I say I'm healed? Because the Bible says I'm healed. So homo logeo, it's the confession. We say what God says. And if you'll say what God says, you'll have what you say. You speak those things that aren't as though they were. So let's look at a couple, you guys, do, are you guys doing okay? I feel, this is so good, this is great news. I am so excited, but I get so, you know, because I just want people to get it. You guys know how much I love you. It's ridiculous, right? I love every minute of it. Let's go to Acts chapter 3. So let's look at this. Let's look at some examples in the book of Acts. Do you know the book of Acts is still being written today? Right? It says the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's the Acts of the Holy Ghost. This is talking about the lame man that was healed at the gate, which is by the temple in Jerusalem called Beautiful. Look at this, verse 1, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. I always laugh when I read that. I'm like, did they race? Because it's always seemed like they were competing, right? So at the hour of prayer, so there were three times of prayer for the Jews, nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, and three o'clock. So it says at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. So in other words, they went up to the temple. It was three o'clock in the afternoon, okay? And a certain man, lame... and. Whenever you read the Gospels and it says a certain man, this means everybody would have known this man. A certain man. This guy really lived. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So that's how he lived. He would beg and ask, for, ask people to have mercy on him and give them give him money, okay? Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms. So he was asking for money. And Peter, 
fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed to them. So in other words, the guy looked at them. Okay? And he said here, verse 5, and he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. So in other words, when Peter said, look at me, look at us, the blind man's thinking, okay, I'm going to get some money. So he looks at him, right? Then Peter said to him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Now this is interesting, because in the Greek language, if you wanted to translate this literally, literally it says, but who I have. Not in the King James, but such as I have, give I thee. In the literal Greek, it would read, but who I have, give I thee. Whenever you read the Bible, okay, this is like a commercial break. <laughs> so this is the written word of God. It is given to us for the purpose of revealing the living word of God, who is Jesus. So in other words, don't just think this is ink on a page. When you come to this book, realize this written word will reveal the living word to you. It's not knowing what you believe, it's knowing who you believe and in whom you believe. In other words, all this stuff is based on relationship. Okay? And he gave heed to them, expecting to receive something of them. Verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, or who I have, give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then when he said that, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. So this word took, in the Greek, he took him with a masterful grip and yanked this guy up. Okay? Lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. In the Greek language, it would read literally like this. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength as they went. And he, leaping up, stood and walked. Now, he had never walked. That's interesting, right? He broke the record. He learned how to walk faster than any human being who's ever been alive. I mean, it's taken, most of us, it took us some time, right? Right? Yeah. Little joke there, right? <laughs> and leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. So, all right, Pastor Edwin, can I use you again? I always pick on Pastor Edwin here. Now, I might need some help. Let me see if I, I did do a bicep workout. Okay, could you, could you kind of get down on the ground? You know, actually, let's go up here. Let's go up here so everybody can see this. Okay, pray for me. He's not small, okay? So go ahead and just, like, Sit down with your, just, yeah, that's good. So here, so I'm Peter, and, and here is a, a man who's lame from his mother's womb. 
And so he, you're asking me for money, and I look at you, I say, look at me, and you, you're looking at me expecting to receive something, right? And then I say to you, listen, silver and gold have I none, but who I have give I you. And then Peter would have reached down, well, it said his right hand. We'll just do this one, it's just easier. So he reached down, and he yanked this guy up, Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, thank you. So he yanked him up, and then he's holding him, and he's walking. Come on. Could you imagine? And as we went, as, as we're going, right, his ankle bones start receiving strength. That's literally what happened. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So now Pastor Tony can't preach without a water bottle and Pastor Edwin. Okay. Okay. So, and leaping up, he stood and walked, look at this, leaping and praising God. Notice, he wasn't praising God in front of the temple before he was healed. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Verse 11, and as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, I mean, he's just hugging them. He's like, thank you, right? All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people. So you can imagine what Peter saw. These people are thinking that he healed this guy. But when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, he said, you men of Israel, why are you marveling at this? Why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or our own holiness had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham, healing in the atonement, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up. Boy, he's a little more bold than when he's denying Jesus not long, right? Now he's born again. He's bold as a lion. Do you know you're bold as a lion? Say la on that one, right? Whom you delivered up. And denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Now look at this, verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name, Notice it didn't say not through the power of Peter and John. This man was healed by the ministry of Jesus imparting something through Peter. Therefore, healing could not have stopped when the last apostle died. Jesus is still imparting healing to people through his church. Wow. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him 
hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. See, believing in the name of Jesus, it requires faith. You got to be fully persuaded. Now, if you understand all the word that all of us understand, and you realize that God, there's no variableness in him. What he's done for one, he will do for all. That means all of this is for you today. So you could say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that I receive my healing. Thank you for it. I thank you right now that your healing power is working and affecting a cure in my body from the tip of my head to the soles of my feet, right? I mean, you could do that right from where you are. Every time you see the name of Jesus used, you always see action. Every time. When you operate in faith, it ushers in the supernatural power of God into your situation. If we have faith in his name, the same will happen now. Jesus' name today will do everything that Jesus did when he was here in the flesh. This man was made strong through faith in the name of Jesus. Therefore, healing did not stop when the last apostle died or when Jesus left the planet, right? In other words, guys, the name of Jesus is the key to everything. And I'm here to tell you, It saddens me to see so many believers just flat out don't believe that God will do it for them. It's because we spend no time in this. So we, we don't spend time meditating in the written word of God. So this is the only problem. It's so easily solved. We don't, we don't know the living word. We don't know Jesus. Oh, we might know him as our as our salvation, when we mean that as it's my eternal salvation, I'll go to heaven someday. We're really strong on that. Why? Because that has never been come against. It's never been preached. I mean, there's a little segment of Christianity that preaches God saves some and not others, but that's so ridiculous that most of us are like, yeah, that's just stupid. But it's been preached since about 1900 really strong. About 123 years now, it's been preached that God is sovereign. He heals some and not others, and he teaches some people with sickness. Some people, it's not even his will, right? I mean, we even have a, a, a TV show that I greatly love a lot of parts of it, but when I got to season three of The Chosen, and I think it's like episode two, and you have Jesus looking at James going, yeah, it's not my will to heal you. I mean, we're showing that when there's not one example of this in the book. There, that's a blindness. Because I could tell you, the guy who wrote this, The Chosen, you could see that this man loves God with all of his heart, but he just doesn't see it. Right? Why is it? Because people look at natural things to decide what the Word of God is saying, and you can't do that. The Bible says over and over and over, fix your eyes on Jesus. 
This man was made strong through faith in the name of Jesus. You don't have to feel like his name works. You just simply have to believe that his name works. This man was healed by the ministry of Jesus imparting something through Peter. Do you see that? Acts chapter 4, verse 10. Let's look at this. So now we, we're kind of reading this story. Now let's look at what, what is said here. Acts chapter 4, verse 10. If we this day be examined of the good thing done to the impotent man, by what means his is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. In other words, chapter 4, verse 10 puts the cherry on it and says, guys, there's no gray area here. This man was healed by Jesus, not us. For you today, your healing is all about what Jesus did. Take the pressure off yourself. This has just been given to you. Jesus has once and for all bore people's sickness and disease. He carried away their pain. The literal meaning of this story literally implies that it is just like Jesus did the work. It's just like. See, when you use the name of Jesus, do you realize the very presence of God, the very power of God comes on the scene and works as if Jesus was here? No difference at all. That's how come he says it's better if I go away. Because when he was on the earth, listen, I mean, could you imagine? Jesus is in Israel. Okay, so if I want to get healed, I got to get to Israel where he is. No, no, now we have people that are filled with the spirit of Jesus everywhere. Why am I saying this? Number one, I want to encourage you. Draw from who you are in Christ and get very tenacious about every sickness, every disease, every weakness, and all pain has to leave your body. Because God wants you well and he wants you strong. Right? See, what's happening is many people are outliving their health and that's no quality of life. Our path is one of increase. So that means as you get older, you should increase. Now that doesn't mean you're going to jump higher or run faster. But it does mean that God through you will accomplish more. And that you'll be, you're to be pain-free and strong. Yeah, but pastor, you know, I mean, when you get older, after, after you're 30 years old, your discs just don't... They just don't drain the way they did and fill up again. So it just, it's different. And, and you know, you lose muscle mass and you well, believe God. Do you know James says if you can bridle your tongue, which is a big question in all of our lives, you could control your whole body. Amen. 
You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says that literally the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you right now and with the same power that he raised Jesus' body from the dead and raised Jesus from the dead. Now, Jesus went, when he came in, I mean, could you imagine what his body looked like after crucifixion? But the Holy Spirit quickened his mortal body. He went directly from a mess to glorified. Well, he's down on the inside of you. He's turned that down a little bit because you don't get the glorified one yet. But with that same power, just not as much of it, he's quickening your mortal body. That word quicken means heal, make whole, and restore to health. Wow. So let's look at Aeneas right now, real quick. Aeneas, Acts chapter 9, verse 32. I've got so much here, but I'm just going to finish with this one. Acts 9, 32, it says this, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. Now that's real interesting. It doesn't say he was sick with the palsy. It says he was sick of the palsy. As if palsy is a person. It is. It's a demonic force. Study, if you study in the Greek, I mean, just, you know, if you, if you don't want to take the time, just... Listen to Rick Renner break down the satanic hierarchy. He talks about it's, it's like there were special forces of, of there's, there's demonic powers that are highly trained to take you out with diabetes, to take you out with cancer, to, I mean, to, do, to deteriorate your back. Is that, could that be real? Yeah. Oh, that's just foolish. Okay. I'm going to choose to believe it, right? It says he was sick of the palsy, and Peter said to him, Aeneas, could you imagine this? Jesus Christ makes you whole. In the literal Greek, it would read like this, Aeneas, Jesus is here to heal you now. Arise and make your bed. And he arose immediately. Now he had been bedfast for eight years. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. Wow. Church growth. Could this happen at Faith Family Church in Omaha, Nebraska? Why not? Jesus is here. Amen? Oh, man. There's so much good stuff here. It's awesome. Healing in the atonement. God wants you well.